0: Welcome back. It's time for Customers Who Click, the e-commerce podcast for brands looking for their next growth opportunities. If you're interested in improving your conversion rates, average order values and customer lifetime value, head over to CustomersWhoClick.com where you can find all our previous episodes and get in touch if you'd like to learn more. Welcome back. Today, we've got a fantastic brand guest who knows all about the challenges and rewards of selling CBD products. Dennis Mistriotti, the founder of Batch, is here to share his story. We'll talk about how he started Batch, the rules and regulations that make things a bit tricky, and why having a B two B side helps his direct consumer sales. Let's dive in with Dennis now. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for joining me today. Would you mind just introducing yourself? Give us a bit of your background and uh, how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure. Thanks, Will. My name is Dennis Mistriotti. I am the co-founder and CEO at Batch CBD. We are two things, really. An e-commerce, CBD, and wellness brand offering products, e-commerce such as gummies, oils, topical products, functional mushrooms, hydration products, energy, etc. All kind of better-for-you, natural, alternative products for wellness. And the other side of my business is a more supplement manufacturing side that services the e-commerce business in a way where we, from the hemp farm to Oil extraction, product formulation, bottling, testing, fulfillment, and customer service. We provide those services for batch, of course. And then also, Mm -hmm. we act as a contract manufacturer for some 50 other brands in the not only hemp and CBD industry, but the supplement industry as a whole. And how we got to where we were today to try to answer as concisely as possible. We started the business about five years ago, in 2018, when industrial hemp was legalizing across the country. And I started this business with my two college roommates. And at the time, the this new and emerging industry was certainly not known in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where we are located, let alone the country as a whole, even though marijuana, which is similar in ways what was happening in certain states. This hemp and CBD industry had not yet developed. An industry that is not yet developed is a good opportunity for young, at the time, 23-year-old entrepreneurs to explore entrepreneurship because there's no established leaders in the industry yet and everybody's kind of fighting the same battle. So nevertheless, my two co-founders are chemical engineers. I had a background in business. And this hemp industry was a nice combination of both science and business and even a little bit of agriculture that fit our skill set quite well. And we actually started as a testing lab and then a CBD oil extraction lab and then product formulators and then a brand. And so now that we are brand, we look back and happen to have all of these aspects to our supply chain Uh, is it the same company or is the brand like the dc brand a bit separate if i was a business advisor i would probably say separate the two companies but because they have because it (laughs) the brand came organically from the manufacturing company it is one company right now okay they're not two separate companies but they do two separate things basically yeah yeah fair enough Cool. So yeah, how do you get customers clicking? So given that we are a CBD company or CBD forward company, we cannot advertise using the same avenues that most D2C e-commerce companies would do, that being paid advertising through Facebook or Google or any other social media really, which is how most e-commerce companies scale. So as a result of that, we've been forced to get a little bit creative as most CBD companies have had to and so the way we have really grown our business is through a combination of search engine optimization and affiliate marketing it and to go a little bit deeper that is how we drive traffic to our site through search engine optimization and affiliate marketing through third-party authorities like publications or fitness apps etc once the traffic arrives to our site it is, of course, our job to convert those customers and really, most importantly, increase average order value and lifetime value. And if you could do that successfully, then step one becomes easier because you're paying commissions to affiliates. And if you can increase your lifetime value, then you can pay higher commissions to affiliates and you can get preferential treatment with those affiliates and kind of win in the competition um affiliate placement so it's kind of this little circle that works synergistically with one another but driving traffic with seo and affiliate and then internally doing everything we can to create loyalty yeah it makes sense really i mean i, I started out in affiliates so
0: I'm, I'm quite familiar with that yeah we always sold brands newsletter so if, if brands gave us favorable terms we would run ppc ads For them. And I mean, this was in the voucher space as well. So this is literally like get 20% off at this brand. But yeah, I mean, there's partly incentivizing it and there's partly building that relationship as well. And I think that they kind of go hand in hand. If you you do a bit of both and you're like, well, we're paying you loads of money and we get along really well, you can do these extra
1: things for us and drive some more traffic. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing how much... It's not just a spreadsheet equation. Some of them are. Some of them, it's earnings per click. And whoever has the highest number gets the best treatment. But in a lot of cases, it's a, it's a full relationship beyond just the numbers and maintaining those relationships. It's impressively important, actually. Yeah, I remember having
0: a chat. I can't remember who it was. I've had a couple of affiliate people on here. And yeah, it was kind of, part of it was the, like, the money side. Right, whoever pays the most, whoever gives the best commercial deals. But also, some of it came down to like who's the most responsive, who also makes it easier for the affiliate to do their work. So, if you provide them landing pages and creative and everything, sometimes they will come to you and say, Look, we've got this newsletter spot open. Do you want it? And you're like, Yep, yeah, cool. Just you've got the stuff. We'll set up a new offer for it. Let's go.
1: For sure. But otherwise
0: it just, we've even, if you make life easier for them, they, yeah, they help you out.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, we've even had times when we will create the content for a publication that they will publish and then pay them a commission on the content. So we will literally be the asset resource, write a full on article that will include other brands featured in it as well, provide that to them Mm -hmm. and then pay them a commission just to be a more accommodating partner in any way that we can. And then, of course, anything that you can do to increase your conversions is only going to help, obviously, yourself, but also the affiliate increase their earnings per click as well. Yeah. Well, on that article side, I mean, there's two benefits, right? Firstly, you
0: say to them, look, we'll, we'll do the heavy lifting, we'll do the work, or you've got to is publish it, which just kind of sounds like you're doing them a favor, but then actually you're obviously sticking yourself in the favorable position on that article as well. And taking control of the content. Exactly right. Exactly. And that's something that we've learned over time. Cool. So yeah, on the uh, conversion side, obviously you mentioned the more you do on the conversion side, obviously that's better for you because you're converting more traffic, but it's better for the affiliate as well because they're getting paid more because your conversion rates are good. And I suppose with your industry, one thing we talk about is maybe a bit extreme, but you essentially get one chance to convert someone. Right, if that if they get driven by an article or whatever, and they land on your website, they're showing that intent. Maybe they're not quite ready to buy, but they are. They're very much interested. If you can't capture an email address and if you can't convert them there and then, it's so difficult to bring them back. Right, with most businesses have to pay for it again. Right, PPC or or paid media traffic. Obviously, you're a bit restricted in that, so it's even more important that you get every conversion you can.
1: Absolutely. And I think that is where the importance of branding really comes into play. There's kind of two sides to it when it comes to conversion. And again, this kind of leads into lifetime value again. There's things that you can do to increase your conversion rate. Very simple things, right? Trusted and secure checkout. Let customers know how quickly they're going to get their order. Maybe offer free shipping. Answer all the questions that the customer needs to know in their decision-making path. There are a lot of set in stone things that you can do that any third party could look at your site and improve, or hopefully, maybe you're doing it all already, but to increase your conversion rate. But I think another thing, at least in the space that I work in, where we're we're working with a lot of listicles and information coming from a third party authority, like a publication, maybe a top 10 list of sorts. And it's really up to you to differentiate yourself from those other competitors on the list. And- in the CBD space, there seems to be a lot of rather faceless brands that they're just, they're just a store, an online store that is selling something, but they aren't really selling an emotion or they're not selling trust or community or any reason to have an emotional connection to that brand. And that's something that we've really found success in is really creating that genuine connection with our customer when they arrive at their site, make them feel welcomed make them feel not skeptical because we're. I'm personally in an industry where CBD and hemp can seem a little bit mystical and there's probably a lot of misinformation about it. And so we've kind of taken a firm step in being as transparent and authentic as possible with everything. When you get to our site, we'll say, hey, we know there's a lot to unpack here. We'll show you everything that we do. This is the farm. These are the people making it. These are the people shipping out your orders. If you like us, great. And if not, well, then if you prefer a different brand that maybe looks more like a pharmacy or something, then that's fine. Go ahead and do that. But the customers that we do acquire, we intend on keeping for a long time. And that really plays into that affiliate relationship. And I think another thing that is overlooked sometimes by online marketers is the actual quality of the product influencing repeat purchase rate. You can dial in your conversion rate as much as you can and optimize your site and your site speed and all these things, but these people really are buying something and using something. So you're not just playing a game to see who you can get to click the button the most. You really are selling a product and uh, having a great product that really works is the best thing that you can do for customer retention. You can do all these other tips and tricks, but at the end of the day, that is, in my opinion, the most important. And so. Not taking for granted the traffic that comes to our site has been helpful in making sure everybody sticks around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, the product's the most important thing, right?
0: If you convert loads of traffic, and you've got a really great conversion rate and you get a great AOV, and then your product sucks, you're going to get bad reviews, people won't come back, and eventually your business is going to die. Especially if you're relying on quite a small market, which has very specific routes to get to you, right? You can't, it's difficult to open up more channels and new channels, so you can't target new audiences as well. Um, But on the, yeah, the trust piece, it's it's an interesting point you made about the brands, like the different brands and how they appear to people. One thing we talk about is, or I talk about is even when, so when you're in a space where the products are very similar, right? There might be some slight ingredient differences or like scientific methods that go into them. But essentially, it's the same product to do the same thing. People just brand it a bit differently and talk about it differently. But the key, that's the key thing, really. The, the way you talk about it, if you're the only one saying something about a product and describing this particular benefit of it, then as far as the customer is aware, you are the only one who does that and you are unique. I mean, there's, there's so many products out there now. Like, There's so rarely something which is genuinely unique on its own. And you look at it and you go, there's nothing else on the market like this at all, or nothing that will do this job. So, if you can, if you're having to compete with other products and and alternative products as well, if you're the only one saying, our products is the only, well, you might not say the only one who does this, but our product does this and it's really good at this, and you're the only one who talks about it, then, yeah, as far as everyone's concerned,
1: you're the only one who does it. And that's so true in in my space as well, because if you think about it, if we're just, I know we, I mentioned we offer a lot of different products, but for the longest time, it was just CBD. And CBD technically is just a molecule. There's no different, you can't have a different type of CBD. That's not true because there's different CBD extracts and et cetera. So there actually is differentiation among the product. But it's hard okay. sometimes to say our CBD is the best one. And even though it is true in some cases, it's a hard message to convey sometimes. And that's where the brand and the reason for existing really comes into play, right? We're not existing to sell stuff. We're existing to give you the best, cleanest product we can of the earth and, and give you something that you're comfortable taking that you know is taken care of to the best of its ability all the way down to the source. You're supporting a local farmer. You're supporting this group of people that has my back if I ever need anything. And that's uh, really where branding comes into play. And that's what separated us very much. We're not a legacy brand that, like even in the CBD space, which is a new industry, we joined the party after several brands had been making a lot of money for a long time. So when we came, I think a lot of those brands were actually used to making money just by virtue of existing. And so, because that actually was the case back in the day (laughs) a little bit. And so now that we entered the game, with that already being the case, we really had to make a deliberate effort to be different. And now five years down the road, it has really paid off because the people that are with us feel a connection beyond just the transaction.
0: And I, I imagine you're in the sort of space where if, someone, if, if you can build enough trust to get the initial purchase, and then like you say, the product is actually good and people enjoy it and get the benefit from, I feel like I'm guessing CBD is the sort of space where people don't people are brand loyal, right? I don't know about brand loyal, but product loyal, right? They like your product. They know it's safe. They know it does the job for them. Why risk going somewhere else and trying something else when you know this works for you? Same as like certain skincare and and moisturizers and things. Once once people find something that works for them, they're very reluctant to move away from it because there's risk
1: involved in that. Totally. And in our space, because because there's an association with cannabis, there was quite a gold rush mentality that happened back in the day when we first started. So people were launching CBD products of all sorts in gas stations, weird infusions. I mean, and it's an unregulated industry that has gotten better. But at the time, it was such the wild west that there were probably many people that either tried a product that didn't work, Or I've heard from somebody that it doesn't work or that it's all just snake oil. And so when people had tried our products and it really did work and we, like I said, made an effort to do that, I think that's another reason why people were so loyal to the product as well. Yeah. So you said
0: it's it's unregulated. So from a, like a, I guess from a a legal point of view, you can kind of do whatever you want with it within normal advertising rules and marketing rules but so is it the platforms, the marketing platforms themselves that put the restrictions in? Good
1: question. So when I say it is not regulated, what I mean is that it is not classified by the FDA as a food or a drug or a dietary supplement or a cosmetic. It just is CBD governed with rules, but it is not one of those things. So in other words, We are GMP certified as though we are dietary supplement manufacturers. So we follow very strict manufacturing rules as though we are being regulated and watched over because A, that's responsible and B, you'd imagine an industry of this size is going to get to a point where that's going to be required at some point. There are still laws on what you can and can't say. So we can't say that CBD cures cancer or... We can't even say some of the claims that we would like to about the things that customers use it for, right? Customers use CBD clearly for sleep and anxiety or pain relief, some skincare things, brain fog, whatever it may be. And I don't. there's a reason that customers continue to use the product for those things. But we, I, we cannot be out here saying CBD is going to help with sleep. Hey, do you have trouble sleeping? This is the one that you need. That is a bit of a bummer but understood because that's like kind of true in the supplement category as well. And then as for the advertising restrictions, that in my opinion is completely unwarranted. (laughs) And I don't (laughs) fully understand why that is. I think at the time when it first came onto the scene, especially meta, I know they're very conservative with new cure all type products. And so I understand at the time, let's not get too ahead of ourselves with CBD. It's new, it's all over the place, but It is legal. It is federally legal and there's nothing wrong about selling it and it's allowed to be sold. And all this time later, I'm a little bit confused as to why it's still a problem. And if you were to take the example of Meta, they allow us to advertise on Facebook now, but weird loopholes that we have to jump through. Like the advertisements have to be informational in nature I cannot just run a sale on Facebook, for example. And so it's like they're basically allowing it, but they're making us jump through a few hoops. I assume as a way to be somewhat risk-averse, but I don't find that to be necessary anymore. I
0: think, so I did a bit of work in CBD last year here. And yeah, there's like same restrictions on Facebook. You can't advertise the product. You can advertise information to an information landing page, which then takes you to the website. I think Facebook have always had a bit of a thing against products which claim health benefits. Right. Too much. So you can talk a bit about fitness and weight loss a bit. I think you've got to be careful. But when it comes to stuff like medical conditions, that's where they're like, "Mm, we don't like this. It's interesting. You said you're not allowed to talk about sleep. So here they are. Right. So that's a big thing here. It's CBD uh, products for sleep, but you're not allowed to use anxiety right? Because anxiety is health related, men- mental health related. But where it gets a bit ridiculous with the regulations and stuff is just like what you're saying, right? it's That's how customers talk about it, right? They will say this CBD products has been great for my anxiety. Now, if that pops up in a review for this business, the business cannot post that review on their website if it contains the mention of anxiety. Even though it's a customer saying this, which then causes a problem. I mean, it caused a problem for this client because they worked with a review platform which doesn't allow you to moderate your reviews at all. Right. So they were like, well, legally, we're not allowed to put this on our website. And you're not allowing us to not show that. So we can't use your platform anymore, essentially. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting how it's, yeah, it's regulated, but not regulated. But some people choose to regulate it even though they don't have to.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a weird thing. You'd like to talk about it to its fullest extent. And what's funny is you can, as it comes to advertising, you could say, does CBD help with sleep? Question mark. And write an article about sleep in general and how CBD works and all this stuff. And you can infer certain things, but we've we've actually retracted from the paid ad spend on those platforms because it's by having one hand tied behind our back. I'd rather just at this point right now, scale into the channels that I know are profitable. And hopefully one day when that becomes unlocked, we can fully pursue it. But it's too bad because it's a, it's actually a skill and a knowledge that I wish I had more of because I know how powerful it is. And at least from just the educational standpoint, I, I obviously know a little bit about it and I've worked with agencies on it. But its uh, I feel like I'm missing out, like I'm looking through the window on the other side.
0: Yeah, I mean, but yeah, like you say, it's the ROAS is so bad. I mean, this brand was driving thousands and thousands uh, of visits to their landing page. But then Facebook, well, the agency was telling them that Facebook says you can only go to the homepage of your website from that landing page. They are not allowed a call to action on the landing page which says shop now. Or anything like that. So it was learn more, right? So people are reading this article about how CBD helps with sleep or menopause or whatever. Then they would click learn more, and they would just land on the homepage of the brand. And so that traffic just bounced, right? It was it's such poor sure. engagement. Now I don't know exactly what the rules are. I'm not doing any more work in that space at the moment. But the, the agency they're working with refused to allow us to turn it into like a squeeze page like a lead magnet. So I said, well, people are clearly interested, right? We're getting loads of clicks on that landing page call to action. If it's terrible experience sending them to the website, let's capture their email address, right? Let's have a pop-up which says, if you want to learn more about how CBD helps with sleep, drop your email in and we'll send you our sleep guide. They were very much against it because apparently that's against T's and C's as well. And it's
1: yeah. yeah, It's one of those things though where to try to find a silver lining and all of it, by not being able to do some of these things, we have had to be so creative and really turn over every rock that we possibly can to find new revenue streams and increase conversion, increase average order value and engage our customers, retain customers. And I do feel like because we haven't had it easy in acquisition, we have really created a strong e-commerce business where let's say one day, a new opportunity were to arise, that's scalable with dollars. Maybe it's scaling on Facebook, maybe it's scaling on Amazon, Google, whatever it may be. I'm comforted knowing that everything else is kind of locked in and taken care of. We've done everything we yeah. can to push people up to higher order values, to bundle, to get shipments out quickly, to tell our brand story, to increase loyalty, subscriptions, etc. That. As long as I kind of have a little philosophy, we all do here, where as long as you stay alive to see the next day, you always have a chance for another opportunity to arise. So not that we're sitting here yeah. just like fighting for the next day, but as long yeah. as you're alive, something could come across your desk. If you're not, then it no longer can. And so I think we all view this as there are more simple opportunities for acquisition on the horizon. And I'm proud of like our team that we've done everything else that we can up to this point to maximize what's available.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you've built like a really solid foundations for the business and you're doing what you can with your current channels. But as soon as that opportunity to open up on yeah, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, when that happens, you're in a really good position to then take advantage of it because your numbers are good. You can support paid ads. You confident with conversion rates, AOV and everything. So you're good. Whereas a lot of brands will just say, right, we've launched a website. We've got products. Let's spend money. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So when it, we talked about affiliates a bit. Do you, do you mainly focus on that informational side and educational piece with the affiliates like the listicles and stuff, or do you use direct, like the direct to sales sort of affiliates as well?
1: When it comes to affiliates, mostly transactional and intent. So by the time that they're clicking over to our website, they are already searching for a product in most cases. Okay, on occasion, they're being pushed to product. But that is nice because the customer that clicks over is clearly looking for a product. They're a high customer. They're usually high lifetime value customers. So paying a commission to those affiliates, I can get quite aggressive with it and make it mutually beneficial for everybody. Where we lean into informational content, is of course for our current, our existing customers to educate them on anything they need to know. But we write a lot of blogs for our own site with search engine optimization in mind, but informational in nature. So, and we do that to really build a, our topical, what's called topical authority. There's domain authority and there's topical authority. So, right. So, if pn.com were to write an article about makeup, They're not going to rank for it, even though they're one of the largest websites on the internet. Right? That's the difference in topical authority. And clearly, we're a CBD and wellness brand. So by writing as much content as we can about CBD and the questions that users are looking for on the topic, whether that be can you fail a drug test, what's the difference between hemp and marijuana, what's the difference between CBD gummies and a um, will CBD get you high? All of those questions, we write blogs for, and we really have shown google that this is we are an authority in the space and so now we have quite a few highly sought after keywords that are informational in nature that we have ranked sometimes number one on google for which just brings more traffic to the website and even if it is informational in nature to be that authority for a customer that's learning more still gives you an opportunity to turn that person into a customer at the very least collect an email so that has actually worked for us quite well and by becoming an authority on informational content in our space has allowed us to also rank for transactionally relevant content in our space as well yeah uh, cbd gummies or cbd cbd gummies in general if you were to type in cbd gummies on google we're going to be somewhere up there and it's because we've kind of done that full service seo approach just to keep bringing traffic to the site
0: i mean not uh, seo is one of the spaces that i'm not not too well versed in, but from what I've heard, it's it's not just about that optimizing for the one thing that you want to appear for. If you do the rest of the work and you tell Google that you are an expert, they kind of reward you by saying, well, yeah, okay, so we'll push your actual transactional pages up a bit because you clearly are the experts in this and people engage with your site well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And SEO is a tough one to advise on sometimes because it's usually when you're speaking with like an agency or something and they tell you, well, it's a long game. You can't evaluate your results right away. It's going to take six months before you can really start seeing results. Sometimes that can translate into um, th- this isn't going to work, right? I just need you for six months, perhaps, or at least that's the siren that could go off in people's heads sometimes. And I don't, I would understand that. So with it comes to search engine optimization, it doesn't work until it does, and Fortunately, we have seen it come to fruition, but you do have to really grind away at it. You, you you can try to cut corners. People are always trying to cut corners in SEO and buying links and buying an abundance of sponsored posts. And there are always things that you can do, but in the long run, Google is going to catch up and they're going to figure it out. And it's actually, you have to be as honest as you can. Sometimes it seems like SEO is like this like hidden knowledge that you have to be really scrappy to know which is i suppose partially true but in the long run you just have to keep at it and google will catch up eventually and once that point happens where you are recognized by the (laughs) all-powerful google search engine then you you start reaping benefits exponentially yeah i mean yeah like when they make updates and changes to
0: their algorithms and stuff they're gonna be looking at that they'll be kind of penalizing people for two things probably one is do you know what actually what you're doing isn't as good as we thought it should be and probably not the optimal experience so we're just going to like downgrade that a bit But and that's just you're going to suffer a little bit because that's the route you've gone down and the other one is what you're doing is clearly gaming the system you're out you're gone I remember this happened to an online flower retailer quite a big one I think they're like EU based like EU wide in the build up to I think it was Valentine's Day They just suddenly built several thousand links very quickly and Google just removed them just completely. They just disappeared from Google in the run up to Valentine's day.
1: Right. Well, you can get penalized pretty badly if you really try to game the system too much. I know some brands that have had, I think it's a literal, it's like going to the penalty box, like a two year, you will not be showing up on Google for keywords for two years and then the ban will be removed so you got to be you know careful getting too scrappy with it sometimes yeah i mean two years is a waste that's a bad penalty that's yeah that's gonna hurt <laughs> cool just
0: before we wrap up i just want to ask about the b2b side of the business like how is that i know obviously it started there but since you launched batch the d2c side of it how is having that b2b side benefited the the b2c side
1: Yeah, good question. It really is a unique thing, and we have unique insights that most brands don't have. There's a number of intangible values that we get from having a B two B side mixed with our D two C side. First of all, there's the operational efficiencies, right? Our products cost less. We ship directly to consumers from our facility. We don't use a three PL, so we're allowed to customize our packages as we need to. We get the packages sent back here. We get a more intimate understanding of what is actually happening in that customer experience. People are complain or if there's a complaint to customer service about something related to fulfillment, we go right over to the next room and we're able to address that and fix that and brainstorm on things together. We don't run out of stock of anything because we have everything right here and we can forecast and fit things into production schedule, even if we have an yeah. unexpected ramp up in demand. So the operations, while complicated to manage, actually avoid probably catastrophic headaches that most e-commerce brands have dealt with at some point in their existence that we have actually always been able to avoid. So that's been really cool. But the other side of it that has been really unique that we've made a deliberate effort also in coming to fruition is the collaboration among or manufacturing clients on an e-commerce side. So we make products for dozens of other CBD brands, dozens of other wellness brands, most of which are e-commerce, some of which are more of a retail approach. But what do we get to learn from that? For one, without asking anybody, we get to see which products are selling the best. We get to be requested to make new formulations and new product ideas. So we get all sorts of product development, creativity coming through our front door Any product that we make for somebody, we would never copy, but you can still analyze the trend that you're seeing or the success of the type of product and maybe like use it to brainstorm something for your own brand. But on top of that, because we are an e-commerce brand ourselves, I can talk to some of our manufacturing clients in a way that they understand. And I can understand their pain points in the same way that they understand mine. And I can understand what they really need to help their business succeed. Obviously, our primary job as a manufacturer is to create a product in a timely manner per the request of the customer. That is what any manufacturing company should do. But if they can talk to me and we can brainstorm together like, hey, just so you know, like you're probably not thinking about Black Friday yet, but I would get your order in now because I know that you guys are going to run out of stock of this product. This is your normal run rate, et cetera, et cetera. We share some of the same marketing channels. And so I know when a new opportunity has arose for both of us. And so we could really collaborate in that way. And I have helped some of our manufacturing partners grow in sales, which is not something a typical manufacturer <laughs> is going to do, obviously. And as a result, they've helped us do the same, right? I obviously want the brands that we manufacture to perform well, because then they're going to keep placing orders and be a long-standing client. And by just having that open line of communication, we have grown our e-commerce side just by being able to bounce ideas off a lot of these other brands. So it's actually been really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, super value. Yeah. To have that
0: insight, like you say, like help each other grow and I guess adapt the 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 B2B side, even for, for batch as well, based off what all your B2B clients are saying as well. Like if there's, Something about the process that's not going well, and then you realize, well, actually, yeah, if we optimize this, that's going to be better for us as well. Yeah, you've got, yeah, so much more opportunity there.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and uh, we've gained clients from e-commerce communities, and we've gained manu- we've get, got, gained e-commerce sales from manufacturing communities. They work hand in hand. Yeah, awesome, cool. Just before we finish up, then, have you got like one
0: marketing tool that you love and you'd recommend?
1: For me, I would probably say I'm going to give you two SEO tools. You you could pick one of the two if you were to listen to me. One is SEMrush and one is Ahrefs. They're both SEO tools. They're very common. If you're in SEO, you know about them. You usually use one or the other. And even if you're not savvy with SEO or pursuing it as a strategy, I'd recommend it to people because it allows you to understand Consumer behavior because you can see what people are searching for. So, even if you're not trying to write content with SEO in mind, you can look up important keywords in your industry or neighboring keywords to your industry, and you can get an understanding of what people are really looking to have answered, both informationally and from a product standpoint. So, I think it allows you to stay a step ahead of trends. It allows you to see what competitors are doing. And I feel like ultimately gives you a sense of comfort as to what is happening in the world around you. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. It's like allows you to do a bit of research, doesn't it? If you find out what people are
0: searching for and they're using specific terms, then maybe you should use those terms in your ads, your exactly. website. Cool. And finally, what is your, have you got one final piece of advice for
1: brands listening? Sure. Well, I I kind of touched on this a little bit when I was giving my explanation of the relationship between B2B and D2C, but I would say for any business to give without the expectation of receiving something in return, whether that be information or collaboration or whatever it may be, I've found that trying to hold things too close to your chest, like you have this secret piece of information that none of your competitors can know about generally is going to repel people from you and i i have found in my five years that creating relationships with people where they want to help you is going to synergistically help you back so offer information offer insight offer maybe a few secrets here and there and don't expect to trade information just know that what goes around comes around a little bit and usually that is productive. I've found that to be abundantly true in my experience. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Great advice. I really like that one. Cool.
0: If anyone wants to find out more or or have a chat with you, what's the best way of doing that?
1: Sure. Well, obviously our website is the first line of communication. You can go to hellobatch.com. That'll take you to our website. Our Instagram is batch underscore by underscore WHS reach out to either of those. And if you actually want to talk to me personally about anything marketing related or business in general, the people that run both the site and the Instagram account sit right next to me. So i just say, Hey, I heard Dennis on a podcast. I uh, would like to talk to him about something and they'll, you'll for sure get relayed over to me and happy to talk. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Dennis.
0: All right. Appreciate it. Will. Thanks. Great stuff from Dennis. It's really interesting how he's managed to grow so well in a regulated industry. I've been there myself. I know how difficult it can be. It just shows that uh, paid advertising and focusing on channels such as PPC and paid social doesn't have to be the only way to grow. I think there's possibly a big missed opportunity for a lot of DTC brands as well who uh, do their own manufacturing. Uh, I've heard a lot about brands who don't use anywhere near their whole capacity. So why not make products for someone else? You get a bit of extra revenue and you get extra learnings as well. If you want to hear more from Dennis or Batch, find them on LinkedIn or visit their website. If you've got any questions or want to suggest a guest, email me at will at customerswhoclick.com or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, we've got Matt Skaysbrook joining us for the first episode in our CRO mini-series. We'll be talking about what CRO really is and how brands can get started. But until then, keep those customers clicking.